Subsist on blood. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Why, hello there. I'm Trevor. And on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 297. Hope you are well. This time around, you are joined by some truly inspiring and passionate creators. Multi-award-winning actor Thomas Hobson and empowering producer, writer, and actor Tara Perry. The time of release, their beautiful new horror thriller, Ghosts of the Ozarks, is in select theaters on demand and digital now. We talk about the stunning immersion this experience offers the audience with handcrafted set design, poetic and poignant dialogue, wonderful special effects, and unforgettable performances from an outstanding cast. They list the horror films that drew them into the genre. And Tara tells us the exciting things her production company HCT Media is up to. Get haunted by episode 297 with Tommy Hobson and Tara Perry now playing. There are ghosts in the woods. I did not tell you the full truth of this place in the letter. You would not have believed me if I did. I haven't encountered this kind of harmony up north. You find traveling by day much more amicable. You catch a glimpse on your way in of the ghosts. The hard part is sorting out what's real. They don't care what you look like, James. All that matters, purpose. They can't be real. They're as real as anything I've ever known. These walls, we hadn't built. We were not alone. Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two exceptional creators. She is an actor, writer, and filmmaker who did several acclaimed short films before appearing on monumental television shows like the multi-Emmy winning Two and a Half Men and Nickelodeon's Fresh Beat Band, where she became a children's television icon. Feature film work, including the phenomenal Fun Size Horror Volume 1, Brea Grant's Lucky, Fantasia winning 12-Hour Shift, and the multi-award winning Squirrel Project. She also produced through her company HCT Media. She is extraordinarily diverse, daring, and has a palpable charm that rings through all of her work, pulling viewers in to wonderful characters and stories, be it in thriller, comedy, drama, and musical. And not only that, but the empowerment she gives to others telling their stories is remarkable. Also here with us, a prolific actor since he was a child, being a part of the most beloved shows in TV history from 227, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Hogan Family, and Living Color, The Adventure of Briscoe County Jr. and tons more. A hero to children all over the world through his time with the Fresh Beat Band where both our guests toured the country together playing sold-out shows. An award-winning stage theater performer, he also appears in the features 12-Hour Shift and Squirrel in addition to the 14-time award-winning Be the Light and Stars Are Already Dead. He can be most recently seen in Nickelodeon's That Girl Lele. He brings a passion and heart 
to every performance he's ever done that just grabs you and does not let go, imbuing narratives with tremendous power as wherever he takes them, the viewer is completely surrendered to them. Together, their brand new beautiful horror thriller follows a young doctor who is mysteriously beckoned to a small town deep in the south with secrets and a supernatural presence. Ghosts of the Ozarks is in select theaters on demand in digital February 3rd. We are honored to welcome its star, the wonderful Thomas Hobson, and not only its star, but writer and producer, the amazing Tara Perry. Yeah. Thank you. Whoa. Whoa. Did our moms help? That was incredible and so flattering. I mean, I I would want to hang out with me after that. Uh, I use that as my bio? That's amazing. Someone someone email that to us. I've never felt cooler. Thank you. Oh, man. Well, guys, more than well-deserved. And congratulations on this incredible film. It's such a real joy to spend some time with the both of you. Now, yep. rewinding back, when it comes to the horror genre in general, what are some of those defining moments for you guys experiencing the genre as a viewer? We'll go with uh, Tara first. Wow. It's funny because even my favorite horror movies, I mean, one of my favorites when I was a little kid, which I watched when I was little, um, I absolutely loved Poltergeist, which that's just my favorite horror movie. Um, but as I got older, I love movies when... I'm watching it and I'm like, I know what's happening. I know where it's going. And then somewhere in act two, act three, I'm like, I'm sorry. What? Like to completely makes me rethink every point of view, every perspective, every, and then I put myself back in it. And then it all, when it all comes back together, I love that feeling. And it happens a lot in horror. So I horror thrillers. So yeah, that's what I'm drawn to. Is there any new horror that stuck with you? You know, I really thoroughly enjoyed watching Malignant. Yes. I had the best time watching that movie. That Seriously. movie it takes yeah. you on exactly that journey that you just talked yeah. about. And I'm too. like, all right, I know what they're doing. And I'm like, I had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> and that to me, I'm like, that is, that's really fun. And then how about you, Tommy? Uh, you know, I, I had the same experience with Malignant. I actually was like, for most of it, I was like, I had to, uh, and then the last like 30 minutes, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, for me, I, I've always been scary. So I was an adult when I really started indulging deeply into horror. But um, I will say one of like my first horror films, as cheesy as it is, uh, as it sounds, was Scream, uh, the original Scream movie set in the front row dead center because at 17, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, now I'm like my neck. I can't imagine watching a movie that close. Um, also, I just we just talked about this last week with some friends. Have you all seen The Strangers? Yes. yes phenomenal. So good. We we just like like for no reason last week I looked at one of my friends and I just kind of tilted my head and I was like, because you were home. And I was like, and he was like, The Strangers? And I was like, oh my God. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think those those kinds of movies, um, get me you know I, I i i as an adult have done the freddies and the you know all, all of those things now that i can because my whole childhood my parents are just like nah you're really sensitive i don't think you should watch <laughs> that's that's the best that's the best kind of audience for horror movies though, right? they stay with you forever what do you guys like about like what are some of the creative aspects of performance and storytelling that the horror genre affords you as as creatives and what makes telling stories through that lens fun I feel like especially with ghosts, it was it was getting to do the things about the horror thrillers that I love, which mm-hmm. is I mean, I'm I'm in the movie, but it's it's it was actually fun getting to watch it because I 
it wasn't the normal experience that I normally have watching myself. I didn't feel like I was watching myself, which is fun. But have, getting to lead the audience down a path where it's like, you know, it's exactly what I like about movies, which I like. I liked that we got to do that with ghosts. And then, you know, a movie like 12 hour shift, which gives like a horror comedy, you get a little bit more liberties because you get to be a little bit more relaxed because in the horror genre, everyone's very, everyone's there for the party and everyone's mm-hmm. more forgiving of stuff. So like a, a horror comedy is really fun in that way. That's I, I like that a lot. Yeah. And I'd say, yeah, I was going to say, you know, acting in it is, is just wonderful. You know, I was talking to someone in an interview on Friday and they were like, I mean, how does it feel? Just even the simple fact that like we blended these genres of, of horror and a bit of like the Western and the, the period piece of it all. And they're like, and you're like a whole doctor. And I was like, yeah, I know when we were filming the movie, everyone was like, Oh, you're doing a period piece set in the 1860s. <laughs> so are you a slave? And I was like, no, it's a completely like, it's not that at all. It's so fun. And then for us filming it, um, I mean, we just got completely immersed in the world. I mean, Jordan uh, uh, and his little tiny crew who built an entire town for us to film in. Um, and and you just like, I mean, we would we were completely in the world of it. And it's really my first time fully being this involved in a horror film. And and it's been it was really fun to watch all of the elements come together and then to see them later on in the film. And you're like, I was there for that. And I'm terrified of it. That's, crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, it just looks completely different, you know, on when you're when you're watching it later. But even when we were filming it, it was very, you know, we were in the middle of nowhere Ozarks, you know, uh, running through the woods. So there were there were real life horror and fictional horror happening. At the same right, time. exactly, exactly. And then you get to see that <laughs> that post produced piece afterwards with yeah. the music and all this stuff layered onto it. Leo, take us into the kind of creation of the story, Leo, with your question. Yeah. Yeah, Tara, the uh, writing and storytelling in this is so fantastic, especially between your character and Annie and and James. I I love what you guys are doing together. And uh, as a writer on this, is this story based on any folklore or stories from that region? Yeah, it is actually. And thank you so much for saying that. So sweet. Um, Yeah. So Jordan, uh, the co-writer, also co-director, also my husband. He's next to me right now. Uh, Yeah. So he uh, grew up in a town in Arkansas called Bald Knob, Arkansas. Uh, and he grew up with the lore and, and the stories of the bald knobbers, which were in the Ozark Mountains, which was a group of vigilantes uh, in the 1860s to 1880s, which started off as an, uh, a group of people trying to do good to police an area that was pretty much forgotten. Uh, and then it really devolved. It got ugly and became something that it was not supposed to be. And, and that story always really freaked him out when he was younger. So that's what inspired the proof of concept that we shot with Tommy back in 2016. Uh, And then when I came in to start writing the feature with him, knowing that we were like, we really want it to be, you know, uh, Tommy and I as the leads. And I had just recently worked with Phil Morris on another project. And so we kind of wrote it with, with his voice in mind for Matthew. And, and so the story started from being inspired by the bald knobbers, which even a little bit of the, the creature, they actually wore masks, like handmade masks with horns on them. They're really creepy. You can look them up and they have pictures and stuff. It's very strange. But yeah, that's where the, the start of it. And then it evolved and added supernatural elements and, and ta-da. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dialogue itself, though, is very 
well written. There's lines like, rumors are already halfway around this town before the truth can get its boots on. (laughs) James's line, I didn't want the name of a stranger haunting me. It wouldn't do me any good. What did did that kind of, first go go to Tommy, what kind of things did that writing and the real, the poetry of how this is written, what did it bring out in you? Uh, you know, there, there, there's so many answers to that question. I'll start with the first thing being that they really did write a beautiful, beautiful script. And they were very kind to me as their buddy and letting me read sort of as the script evolved over time, um, and letting me sort of be involved in, in that. And, and I think what they did really beautifully was they created such a poetic sort of script that all you had to do as an actor was kind of just say the words. Like I just had to stay out of the way because it was doing the work for me. And then you walk into the world again that they built for us. And, and, and you just were like, okay, a lot of my job as an actor is done because you have created between your script and the actual set, you've created such an immersive experience that I just have to be in it, you know? And uh, yeah. So saying those lines, especially I loved that line so much. And as an actor, you always overthink the, the many different ways you can say a line. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, I think that like, it's such a beautiful line that it can just be like casual. It doesn't have to be any haunting darkness to it. It's just, it does it for you. Cause it's just such a, a well-written line. I mean, I was, I was very beyond being an actor in the film as like a, a bestie in the crew. I was just really, really proud of them. And they made it so easy to do my job and then I was just like okay don't F it up. Tara how long did it take you to write the script? Oh so we started writing it probably in the beginning of October 2016 Mm -hmm. and we had a final draft in mid-December I think and then yeah we we went back and toyed with it and you know changed some things and and it's very kind of you to say what you said about those those lines of dialogue and and Jordan and I the reason it's written like that is really because so much of the stage directions, right? We put so much in that too. And there's, it's chunky, chunky, chunky pieces. And a lot of the dialogue was a little heavy and we were like, wow, it's just, I feel like we should shorten some of these things and get to the point. Jordan and I at the time were also writing a ton of poetry. So, and which you say a whole lot in very few words. And so we actually took each line of dialogue and we were like, can we, especially, especially Matthew and James's lines, can we make them as poetic as possible? And so that's, it was just, it was constantly trimming fat from dialogue, from stage directions to all of it. So that's really awesome that you mentioned the word poetry, because that's exactly what led us to, to write it that way. Oh, wow. yeah. and, it's, and it's great. Sorry. It's great. Because as an actor, you know, you can say the lines that you have and then it's trusting that the actors with all the stage directions and things can fill those gaps with, their eyes and their bodies and their, you know, and it, and it really just makes it a more, um, a more, it, it's just a more pleasurable experience, you know, cause it feels like you're being trusted, mm. um, which is, which is probably a byproduct also of writing it for certain people and sort of knowing, you know, what their, what their strengths are. Yeah. Tommy, that, that first scene around the fire at the beginning of the film and this conversation, between James and a stranger he meets in the woods is tremendous. It is so suspenseful and it's a real tennis match between you and the other actor. Talk about creating that moment. Oh, shout out um, to Scott Dean, who, I mean, from the audition tape, she kept telling me, you can't, Scott's tape, 
Oh my God. I don't even, <laughs> the whole, I don't even. The whole tape. He just kept going. He added to it. It was like eight minutes long and he never blinked. And I was like, well, I can't take my eyes off of him. Yeah. He, he's so wow. wonderful anyway. But yeah, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. I've told him on many occasions, like, I feel like he did me such a favor in setting for me the tone of what was to come. Uh, you know, that we were sitting in the middle of nowhere, you know, um, and he just, I mean, as soon as they called action, I was like, okay, this is the movie we're making. And this is, this is, this is going to be great. And we just had such a blast that night. Just, just like you said, playing tennis. And that's one of my favorite things as an actor is I do all my work at home. I get, I get off book and I make all my choices. And then when I get to set, I kind of just surrender because it's not about me anymore. It's about us. And, and sometimes you get really great and very giving scene partners. And Scott was definitely, definitely there to play. And I was like, all right, let's, uh, okay. <laughs> Holy crap. This is the movie we're making. Was that one of the first things that you shot? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was within the first, uh, I think eight days of production. Yeah. Wow. I, have a, I have a very strange memory. I'm like, actually, yeah, that was on June 22nd. Producer, right? She does. She does. It's great. Cause I remember nothing. So I want to see that audition video. Yeah, oh like, yeah. That'd it be needs amazing to be like to a DVD. Extra. Yeah, it should. So I mean, honestly, watching it once we were all, you know, we, we just kind of sat and watched it. Jordan and Matt and I, I think we all, watched it and I, I said i'm sorry can we start that over i don't think he blinked like did anyone notice i mean i was just freaked out <laughs> yeah the boo crew will be right back what awaits you in the house of seven corpses is more than a fear you can't explain a fate you can't prevent a death you can't escape the House of Seven Corpses holds a deadly secret. You must see it to believe it. There are eight graves, seven bodies, one killer, and he's already dead. International Amusement Corporation presents The House of Seven Corpses. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Death waits in the house of seven corpses. Matt Glass, who is also the DP on this, and he composed the music for this experience. It's impeccable. And we love yeah. that it had this sweeping cinematic arc to it, and uh, particularly outside the compound. And as we go inside, it switches to kind of more organic and some of these regional instruments that come in, folk instruments and banjos. And tell us a bit about that journey and sound that the film takes us on. Yeah, that I mean, Matt Glass, his his ideas for music, all of it, it's incredible. His brain is so fun. It must be it so is. fun inside Matt Glass. Matt Black <laughs> off his head. Um, but yeah, when he 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 came up with the idea also to use my voice as a musical instrument. Mm. So anytime you see the woods, anytime you're in the woods, it's almost 
it's a, it's a very haunting sound because it is supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's supposed to make you feel like very uneasy. And then you're right. Like when you step through the gate and you're in that town, it's safe. It's fun. You should relax. And, and I think it's so represented so well. And there's even a song that I love where it's just, um, the whistling starts and cause I love, I love how that sounds, but it's also so eerie and it is so scary. <laughs> and it, it just, it really puts me on the edge of my seat. And he used all kinds of things for inspiration. Like there was a piece of the camera gear that broke and he just had played with it and was swinging it around. And he was like, well, that's a cool sound. So we recorded it, slowed it down, recorded it, sped it up. And it's all throughout the entire score. And it's, it's stuff like that. And I'm like, he's a genius. Oh my God. And then uh, Tommy, as far as your experience watching the completed project and hearing what, hearing the different elements that that music and, and, and sound design elevated, what did, what was your experience like watching it with all that completed sound? Very emotional. <laughs> um, I mean, Matt is just, Matt's a genius. Um, and I, it's just been such a pleasure for the last five years to call him a friend and to be able to sort of witness how his brain works. Every project that we've done, you, you listen to the music in it and you're like, how did he think of that? Uh, and, and I think that there really is, it elevates the movie in such a really wonderful way. Um, it's just perfectly in line with everything. He, even in moments, like he'll even push and pull music out so you can hear certain things that people are saying. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, I mean, that is the first time I saw it, like with sound in a theater, I was like, oh, I've missed, I'm in the movie and I miss, I missed <laughs> that until this moment. But his music just leads you right to where you need to be. Yeah. He um, actually composes to the word. He literally yeah. composes each word, like as if it's like an old school cartoon on a big screen. So that is why he pulls it back. And that's why I think the opening scene is so effective is because that music, it's it's telling you to be uneasy. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. And the world you guys build for this film, obviously, is glorious. And please tell us all about crafting this town of Norfolk and starting with really the centerpiece of, of the whole thing, the heart of the town and, and Torb's Bar, which you can, mm -hmm. I, I urge anyone listening to this, you can go on hct.media and watch a video of them <laughs> constructing it with a hundred year old floorboards and all this wonderful thing. Just talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. So it's built within an old uh, storage warehouse that used to store cotton and it was built in the early 1900s. And on the other side of the brick firewall, <laughs> it, all of the roof had uh, needed to be removed. And so uh, Jordan and his dad and Aaron Prush, who was our first AC, and uh, they got to work in, in the fall of 2019, taking the boards off of the building, which some of the boards had like 500 nails in them. I don't understand why, why they got so happy when they were up there building it. But yeah, and then moving it down to the floor and building Torb's Bar, which I think is like a 3,000 square foot with a second story from scratch. And then that was the first one also because it, it got very cold. So thankfully, they were building inside for a few months. But then once we moved outside, he, where we filmed it in Truman, Arkansas, is actually in the Delta. It's in a floodplain. And he brought in... 400 tons of dirt, dirt dump trucks full of dirt to build the base of some Ozark mountains. So he's literally moving earth <laughs> to make the town of Norfolk. And then the, the fence around the town is actually uh, wood that is uh, from downed tornadoes in the area. Uh, we have a friend who has a sawmill. So we hire him. He's like, any trees that you fall, 
you know, cut them up and slice them up and we'll put them up. I mean, so it was drying. Those, those wood slices were drying while we were filming. So they, yeah, it's, it's the craftsmanship of it is also, I think, shows on screen because, mm. and not only did they build a town with, you know, on 20 acres, 14 or 15 buildings, there was a shot that we needed to do. And we had to get a quote for it to see if it was going to be a drone shot. Oh, it's post. So I don't know if we can do it. And Jordan just said, you know what? I can build the town again. I'll just make it in a miniature. So then he built a miniature version of the town in our backyard for, uh, you know, any of the overheads of the entire town. So it's actually in the film a lot. And now it lives in a cabinet in in our office because it's just so cute. And I'll put little Christmas lights. That is so cool. Oh, my God. I can't believe you guys built the entire town. And, and, and to be clear, because of COVID, it was initially going to be like, you know, many, many people, but there were four people who did the, the lion's share of that work. Unbelievable. Uh, which I said, as an actor, you showed up and, and like, they walked me into it for the first time. And I was like, well, well, 90% of my job is done, <laughs> you know, because all of the make-believe is very real. Uh, you know, it's, it's such an impressive feat and, and the movie doesn't really work without it. Like, it's just such a great Matt and Jordan together. I'm telling you like the fact that these two found each other in the world <laughs> and their, and their strengths complement each other perfectly. And then you add this little one into the mix and it's just beautiful, but, it, but it's like, you know, Matt's got all of the music and the cerebral sort of things going on. And then Jordan, can like build you a freaking town? And then they're like, oh, you want to, you need an overhead shot? Let me make you a miniature of it. And then Matt can be like, oh, and I can digitally put trees around it and we can put, like, it's just, I, I just, I'm so happy that they found each other. Oh, that is so fun. And one thing I encourage anybody listening to this and then watching this film is to pause it on the scenes and Torbs where you get to see these terrifying portraits of the lore of the town and these ghosts that surround them in the woods. They're hanging all over tours to who made those portraits. Yeah. So those portraits were drawn and designed by uh, Mark Jones. And so, and we had them printed out on some of this uh, billboard paper. So they're just massive. And, you know, we saw sketches of them. We were like, Oh, these are really great. But when they got printed out, and then aged as if they had been there for 50 years. They were terrifying. They're huge. (laughs) It is really, it's actually very, yeah, I I wouldn't want to live in that town. Right, they're freaky. What did you do with the portraits? Did Did you destroy them or keep them? No, Torb's Bar, the whole town, it's all still there. It took some damage from a tornado that went through a couple of months ago. Um, but yeah, Torb's bar lives on. Wow. You gotta open, wow. it up for, open it up yeah. for tours. I know, yes. I know. We said we said we could be an epic haunted house town. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Do oh, it. that would be so cool. That and, would be fun. And Tommy, you get to play James with an intoxicating sense of wonder and awe, and it's so fun to get immersed inside. Tell us about the fun of playing a character that's got so much curiosity. Um it's great. I, I've waited a really long time for someone to, I, I always say the business, people say the business is about not what you know, but who you know. And I was like, okay, for years, I was kind of like, well, I don't know a lot of who's, I guess, who have the ability to put me in certain spaces. And then the who's that I know did. And it's just been uh, really wonderful. And, and, I, and as, as they know, like, you know, we filmed this very, very, scary time in the world. You know, we were three months into the pandemic and we were the second, I think 
project that SAG after greenlit to let go to work. And we were bubbled and testing and, you know, um, George Floyd had been murdered and Breonna Taylor had been murdered and people were marching across the, the country. And, and when I showed up in Arkansas, I was like, listen, y'all should know, I think I'm broken. Like the last few months have just really taken a lot out of me. You know, my way of my business went away, you know, we couldn't act and I have a mortgage. And, and so, um, James and I, I think are bonded in this really wonderful way, because what I realized is that life had kind of done the work for me that he and I were both in this similar space of what now, what comes next. And for me, I thought if James is leaving, if he's leaving the North, knowing all he knows about life, he's leaving the North to go to a small town in the Ozarks to be a doctor because his uncle sent him a letter like life's gotten really desperate. And that kind of person is either going to be a pessimist or an optimist. And James is definitely an optimist. And, and my other thing was for my own growth, what happens when the thing you think is great turns out not to be great. Do you hold on to it because it's comfortable or, or, you know, or do you risk, you know, being untethered again? And, and so we kind of, I tell people all the time that James, I met James broken and he was broken. And then by the end of the shoot, I was like, we're both going to be okay. Mm. We're both going to be okay. Uh, yeah. Did the uh, onset uh, filming location inspire any improvisation with lines or action sequences? Yeah, action sequences for sure. Uh, on the page, the attack scene that happens on the page, it was written outside in the rain and all kinds of crazy stuff. But then once, once Jordan had built the, the doctor's office in that way, that they built it, we just kind of reconfigured the entire scene for that. So like that action sequence completely changed, you know, I think day of maybe 12 hours before the shoot. And I, the one thing that I kept saying for filming, this was a pre-pandemic, uh, whenever we had control, uh, it was, uh, you know, let's just make sure that we're done shooting by like June 15th. Cause once June 15th hits, it is going to be so hot and so humid and mosquitoes are going to be awful. So start date was June 15th because <laughs> we got pit, pushed. And so, you know, those types of restrictions ended up being, you know, we, we fought through it. Tommy, there's a scene where bless his heart, he was in the dirt a lot and he just got covered in these bug bites, but he was such a trooper because he didn't like us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm from LA, so you know, <laughs> likewise. You know, I'm like, what is this? What is this nature? All right, all right. <laughs> well, as we wrap up here, uh, we mentioned off the top the timeless legacy that you both created with Fresh Beat Band, and having four kids ourselves, that show continues to be oh. a part of our household. And oh, as, that's awesome. Especially so on a personal note, uh, as one of our kids uh, was diagnosed with cancer when he was nine months old, and your show kept a smile on not only his face, but a light on ours. And we took him to your live shows, did the meet and greets with you. You're both what? always so kind and patient. And for that, we are eternally grateful. He's doing more than well right now. He's thriving. Okay. He's turning 10 years old and all is well. But we had to get in a fresh beat question. Lauren, you <laughs> ask it. Ask it. Uh, so I wanted to know, and I'm sure Everett would want to know, uh, what your favorite episode was to make. Oh. I know hers. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, my I I absolutely love the Wizard of Song. Yes. Episode. Epic. I just, uh, Epic. 
I think it's so wonderful. I think everyone's talents just got to just shine. Yvette got to play the violin. And John is just, I'm like, it's a Jimmy Stewart scarecrow, which I just adore. And Tommy is the Cowardly Lion. Just that voice. Oh, I just love that episode. I think it's so cute. It's a masterpiece, really. Yeah, like, it so- is a masterpiece. Oh, it's really it's it's really one of the best ones. I, I always have a soft spot uh, for uh, local legs just because it was the first one and I had no clue what I was getting myself <laughs> into. Uh, I just like I just wanted a job so badly that I went full just full tilt into it. Like everything you see in the episode I did in my audition. Wow. Um, and, th- and then we got to film the pilot the first time. And they were like, just do what you did in the audition. And we filmed it single cam. Uh, we ended up being multi-cam. We filmed the pilot single cam. And I got home every night and I could barely walk. And I would like <laughs> crawl into the bathtub. And I was just like, the things you do for work. Cause I was just so happy to have a job. And then we had to film it again uh, when we decided to go multi-cam, but it's, it, it yeah. What's, what I love about that story too, Tommy, is because whenever I came into audition to enter season three, because that's when I started on the show, mm-hmm. um, in the audition, I, of course, I watched as many Fresh Beat episodes as I could just to get a good idea of what it is. And they were like, just dance to Loco Legs. And I went all out. I clogged. I just, I couldn't, <laughs> I acted like my legs were not a part of my body. And Tommy was sitting in on that test. And when he watched it, and he would, I think he was like, you know what? She can do this stuff instead of me. Uh, <laughs> I, that is the that is the exact thing. I, I turned to the producers and I was like, for me, it's an obvious choice. Like, she's so funny. She's so good. I think she'd be a great addition to our little family. And also, she's real good at physical comedy. And <laughs> my legs hurt still. It's been two years. You know, people, people always ask us, they're like, do you guys want to like do a reunion? And I'm like, listen, it would be the slowest local legs ever. But... Full disclosure. Thank you so much for that. This is the Fresh Beat Band. When we were in it, it was just us on a soundstage. And so we, we, we didn't know the impact it was having. Mm-hmm. Tour was when we really started to understand what the show meant and the legacy of the show. Even now for us, we are just constantly filled with gratitude because we are always being reminded that the show mattered in ways that were really important. Um, and so thank you. Thank you very much um, for, you know, continuing that. It's just been the gift that keeps on giving and I will forever. And I know Tara is the same, but like we will forever be grateful for the years we got to spend bringing joy to people who really needed it. And then yeah. also just in a really weird time in the world where, you know, I, I wish there was something like that now, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that, that gave people the- that level of joy. That is the part we miss the most is, is the live interaction with, with people like you. So that, yeah. that's, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so happy to hear that your little one is healthy. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you and guys. Ghost of the Ultra is a masterpiece. You guys did incredible on it. It is thank such you. a joy to yes. see you guys doing something together too. We love that. Yeah. And in the horror space too, which is amazing. We love yeah. it. We love it. You yeah. guys. Listen, I told them as long as they, whenever they call me, I'm let's go have some fun. Cause if you can work with your, if you can work with your friends and do this, then you're just a very lucky person. Mm, beautifully well said. said guys. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your time. I know we yes. went a r- little bit over, but we just love talking to you. We'll do it again yes. sometime. And yes, please. we can't wait for the release of everyone to get to see this amazing film. Yes. Thank you so All much. Right, you guys. Thank, thank you. Guys. you. Have thank a great you. day. Bye. Okay. Bye. 
That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 297. Special thanks to our guests, Tara Perry and Tommy Hobson. Follow them at Tommy Hobson and at Tara Tara Fofera on Instagram. That is so awesome that she got that and a really good idea. At time of release, their new film, Ghosts of the Ozarks, is in select theaters on demand and digital now. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Until next time, Trev for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.